0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice Podcast. Um, today's episode, for those who are new, is the seventh chapter of the Hallowed Wide Song Diaries. So um, just as like the very tiniest bit of background, Artifice normally is a podcast where I interview uh, artists of all kinds about their creative identities and creative development. And, you know, we philosophize about art. Um, And I'm in the middle of releasing my third uh, studio album. It's called The Hallowed Wide. And uh, I've been doing, every time I release a new song, a little song diary about the writing of the song. So um, like I said, this is part seven of that. And that is because it is the seventh track of the album. Um, It's a narrative concept record um, that's sort of like a wilderness adventure, a fantastical enchanted wilderness adventure. Um, And right now we have just kind of officially crossed the threshold um, in the Hallowed Wide. So um, what I'll do now is pause for a second and play the song Sweet Dream and then tell you everything about how I wrote it, how we made it, what it's about all of the good things. So, um, yeah, just take a quiet minute or two and listen to this song, and then I'll be back in just a second. Here comes sweet dream.
1: To myself, what have I to wake up to?
0: So in the last couple of days, I've been kind of reflecting and, you know, trying to remember back to um, what was going on when I was writing this. Um, It was like about exactly two years ago now um, that I was writing it. So in the summer of 2020. And so the the Hallowed Wide again. It's this uh, twelve song concept record that's kind of divided into four parts. I hadn't kind of planned all of that when I started writing, but I had like a a vague idea of kind of how I wanted the record to feel. <clears throat> And then I kind of wrote it out of order. So I wrote, you know, some of the back end songs, some of the front end songs, and then kind of filled in the middle. And I wrote Sweet Dream toward the end of um, this process, uh, toward the end of the writing process. I knew kind of, you know, fairly early on in the in in writing the album that I wanted to write like a, a dream sequence in the very middle, <clears throat> and I wasn't sure if it would be like a bonus track, like kind of, you know, just added on like a, like a little interstitial track, um, at the end of another song, or if maybe it would be its own track, but just kind of really short. Um, I wasn't sure. I just knew I wanted it to feel kind of like a little separate from the rest of the album and to be kind of right in the middle. Um, and then I, I talked about this, um, a little bit earlier this month. So if you follow my socials, you might've already seen it, but this song is also kind of a bit of an Easter egg. Um, so like I said before, this is my third studio album and I started writing my first album when I was like 20, 21, maybe I'm 34 now. So it was a while ago. And I I had this like little idea when I um, was kind of preparing my first album that it might be fun because I love pink so much. I just really like, I love, I love pink. Um, and I thought it might be fun to kind of like have a little sneaky, like dedicate dedication to pink song. And just to be clear, I mean, the color, the, the artist is great too, but I, I mean the color pink. Um, so my first album has like a a pink song. It's called blush. Um, my second album has a pink song. It's called rose gold. And I kind of felt like if this was the dream sequence, this would be the place to put my pink song, my like sneaky pink song. I just ate lunch, excuse me. Um, So uh, I had like kind of those two ideas in mind. Like I knew that I wanted this song to be like, like kind of a weird departure from the rest of the album and kind of dreamy. I knew that I wanted it to be kind of like a little pink centric, which makes perfect sense for a dream. And that I knew kind of what I needed it to do for the plot of the record. Um, So I had some basic ideas. I had been writing in a notebook, like, you know, little collections of words, kind of little phrases. Um, you know, I had kind of like a like a lyric brainstorm going. And I had sat down at the piano a couple of times to kind of try to work it out. Um, I knew like vaguely what key center I might want the song to be in. I wanted it to kind of specifically feel like if you're listening to the record all the way through the key change from like the end of the last song into this song should feel kind of a certain way It should feel sort of lifted. Um, like, you know, we're being kind of lifted up in this dream in, in the, um, kind of story of the album, um, we come up against this river in the hallowed wide and we're just exhausted. We're not sure how we can cross it. And we kind of fall asleep and then feel ourselves kind of like lifted up and, you know, looking down and seeing like our, our body on the other side of the river and, you know, recognizing ourselves like less and less, um, And then kind of rising up and, um, seeing, you know, the side of the hallowed wide where we came from and then kind of getting a glimpse of where we're going and then kind of falling back asleep. And, and, um, and this is, this is the the dream. Um, so again, I had, I had written a couple of things like goofing around on the piano. I had like some lyrics, but I just, I really like, I had sat down to work on this song, like probably three or four times and just, I was really having a hard time like figuring it out and getting it to feel right for a minute. I thought I might put it in a triple meter, like in at like a waltz instead of kind of putting it in four, four. Um, and I think I was kind of trying to like force some lyrics to work that I just, I couldn't, I just could it just didn't feel right. So one day, um, I, I had been working on it, um, like on a Thursday, I had like dedicated like an entire Thursday to work on it. And I just, I just could not figure it out. And then Friday, like the next day I had a whole bunch of like errands that I was going to run. And the whole time that I was out running errands, I just like had kind of this song in my head and I kept having like ideas. And as I was out running my errands, I was like, I kept missing exits. I was like a complete space case, like just like I was checked out really big time because I was I was writing the song it just like was kind of happening in my head and I was kind of you know sending myself little voice memos and like you know uh stopping in a parking lot really quick to like write some things down and then anyway it was like it was a funny day and I, I got home kind of like I don't know if you're like this, but I feel like when I'm trying to multitask, I'll like inevitably get like a headache. And I came home and my head was all like achy from like trying to think about the song and also trying to like do my errands. And, um, and I went and sat down to the piano and just like finished the rest of it like really, really quickly. So that's kind of like the, the story of the actual writing process. Um, Part of, I think, what made the song like finally work is I I wrote this little piano hook um, to use in the intro and kind of the interludes. It starts out with a similar chord progression to how the verses go, um, but it's a little bit different. And something about that little piano hook um, just kind of made the song feel, it was like this anchor for the song. So I, I wrote that little piano hook and then like I said, I had already kind of started writing some different things, but they were all very disorganized and kind of like they didn't flow together um, and once I had that little piano hook and and as I had been uh, running errands all throughout the day, I had like you know um, like, puzzles in the lyrics that I'd been trying to solve, like trying to figure out a certain rhyme or trying to get like, um, you know, the, the kind of syllables to, to balance out and just like puzzling and puzzling and puzzling. And while I was driving, like the solutions were just kind of like coming to my mind. So, um, so that's kind of like my experience with writing it. Um, you know, I feel like a little bit, what's the word? Like, I feel a little private about this song, I think, which is funny. Cause like a lot of the songs on this record already have been like really personal and kind of vulnerable for me to talk about. And none of that has felt that difficult, but this song feels kind of, it feels kind of private. And I was thinking earlier today and last night about, you know, why that might be. And I think it's just because like, you know, some of these kind of like whimsical things, um, that I, that I'll write, that I, st- that I'm starting to write about more now, um, you know they're just like mm, things that i sometimes feel like i should keep secret um and i don't know if that's just because i was i was raised in a family that wasn't super open to me being artistic um or you know i just was always trying to be like taken seriously by my family um but also i think some of this kind of like escapist like whimsy fantasy like it's my little safe space you know it's like the place that I go in my mind so to kind of like um write about it and kind of bring it to life just it feels like I'm it feels like I'm sharing something that's kind of like just my own like little treasure um which you know ultimately I think that's my job so I'm, I'm happy to do it but um yeah, so okay, when I was thinking about the the pinks, when I was trying to brainstorm about like a pink song, I had like a feeling and a you know, an image and I just kept thinking about the the you know, 64 Crayola box. And you know, when I was a kid, I loved to draw and color and I just loved that tickle me pink crayon. Um, and anyone who like had that Crayola box is going to know, um, you know, we have like purple mountains, majesty and macaroni and cheese and tickle me pink and Robin's egg blue. And that tickle me pink. I just like, I think I just, I loved the name of it. It felt so like, I don't know. I just imagined what it would have felt like to be the person who like chose that name and like kind of got it passed through and it just felt so fun. And then of course it's like just a gorgeous color, And when I was thinking about, you know, writing this pink song, I just kept thinking about that, like Tickle Me Pink. And I kept thinking like, Emily, you cannot use Tickle Me Pink in a song. Like it just, it can't be right. It just, it's too silly. And then the more that I thought about it, the more that I just like couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, you know, I guess I took that as a sign. So I I had this opening line pretty early on. I had a dream drawn in Tickle Me Pink, which I just, I love it. And then, um, this, so, so this song is supposed to be like a bit surrealist. It's supposed to be like, um, like not quite a narrative, like some songs are. Um, but then it is also supposed to be like an epiphany. So this kind of like very real world epiphany, like coming out of something that is completely fantastical, which it really is the point. It's like a, a consciously crafted thing. Um, you know, whether or not you're into it is kind of, you know, that's, that's your call, but that's what I was trying to do. So, um, verse one, I had a dream drawn in tickle me pink where the melon moon and her blushing beams floated over coral colored trees. So it's just, you know, a pink, a pink dream. Then verse two, I waded through a rosy stream and breathed in the lilac breeze and marveled over every lovely thing. So these are my verses. They're just, um, three major chords or four major chords, A major seven, D major seven, G major seven, and then A major seven again, pretty simple, but, um, I guess, unique in the sense that they don't necessarily all exist in like exactly the same key. They're certainly like related. They're, you know, chords that are friends with each other, but not from the exact same family. So it's very major. It's almost like aggressively bright. Um, and, uh, but like a, just a tiny bit odd, like just a tiny bit fantastical, a tiny bit removed from what we would kind of feel as normal. Um, but the verses are pretty simple. The melodies are simple. Um, the melodies are not like catchy. They're kind of like stream of consciousness, which I is how I wanted them to be. So, um, yeah. Okay. And then, and then this chorus, um, kind of goes into minor, uh, and it's really, really simple, like just so simple. Um, and I thought to myself, what have I to wake up to? And it broke my heart to know it could never be enough to have this dream while I'm sleeping. I want to see it when I wake up too. Which, you know, is innocent enough, um, just this beautiful dream. But in the context of the rest of the record, we've been at this point, you know, our, our, our character, our narrative voice, we've been through so much, so much grief and so much loss. And then this beautiful dream is such a reprieve. And it's just, a complete heartbreak to imagine leaving it or going back. Um, and I know it's really simple and it's almost like I really wanted these lyrics to sit like right on the edge of silly, like just this, just this childlike innocence. Um, but with a real, you know, wholehearted seriousness underneath, um, and to be just kind of as close to that edge as possible. Um, okay. Then, um, I want to talk about the production, but I guess I'll kind of go through the, through the lyrics again. So then that little um, piano figure anchor happens again here um, to kind of separate um, the first half and second half of the song. Uh, so we're left with this kind of grief. Um, I want to see it when I wake up, too. It's like a, a bit of a grief and, and a bit hopeful, maybe. Um, then we have this interlude kind of just letting us sit in that dream. Okay. Then we kind of come to again after the interlude, a beautiful stranger appeared beside me. He offered a cup of hibiscus honey, then shattered into blossoms, drifting softly to my feet. And this is the part that like, when I was driving that day, that was really like, I felt like I had been trying to crack this for like such a long time. And it kind of just, um, I don't know. It like made sense to me on that day. Um, you know, dreams are so like this. Like, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I dream a lot. And when I see people in my dreams who aren't people I know in real life, or like, um, they're not, you know, characters I've seen in a show or something, they're not actors. Just, I I wonder, like, I wonder about my brain. Like, where did this face come from? Like, who is this person? Um, and it just almost feels like such an odd gift. Like, I wonder, is this a face that I've seen and my brain just like stored it? Or is this a face that my brain is like conjuring? You know, what does it mean? Like, who are these like people in my dreams who aren't real people? It's just like, I find it really fascinating. Um, And, you know, I don't know, most, I definitely have nightmares. In fact, I have PTSD and I have kind of a lot of nightmares, but when I'm not having nightmares, my dreams are almost always like just really kind of lovely. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't know, this just feels like, it feels just perfect. Um, someone just kind of appears out of nowhere to be like, a um, you know, a companion in the dream or whatever it is. Um, and just imagining, you know, in this, it's just a short little verse, but first the stranger is beautiful. Then he's offering us something, um, you know, like a gesture of goodwill. It's just maybe kind of like a symbol of like, um, kindness or something or familiarity or like a welcome and then, you know, just kind of shattering, like exploding, but exploding into like these gorgeous petals, like these blossoms just drifting down and, um, you know, imagining how kind of arresting that might be. And then verse two, verse four, again, so simple, um, strange as it was, it felt so plain to me, odd, but it seemed a familiar feeling really so bizarre and somehow perfectly routine. Um, and I just like, I don't know, like maybe this is just totally me, but like I'm, I'm, I'm really um, pleased with how this turned out. It like doesn't really have a rhyme scheme, you know. It just feels kind of like a, like a stream of conscious like po like poem. Some of it feels like a little more like poemy than other parts, and a lot of it just feels like exactly colloquial, um, which is which, but it's it's like colloquial, but like just a little bit whimsical at the same time. Um, like the word bizarre is just like, isn't it a great word? It's just, it's, it's such an interesting word. Like the connotation is, it's just neither here nor there. Um, okay. So that's verse four and, um, verse four has different chords than the rest of the verses. It's reharmonized. So, um, verse four has minor chords in it where, uh, the other verses, only have major chords. So it's it's the same um, verse kind of structure, but different chords, a re- reharmonized verse. Um, and then chorus two is also, um, in terms of form, a bit different. It's a bit, it's four measures longer than chorus one. And chorus one says, suddenly I knew the way to pull this dream to waking. I think it's just a matter of finding magic in the breaking, the ordinary, and this sweet dream could come true I just have to learn to see it in the otherness of you. Um, which again, I mean, I don't I think it feels weird to talk about it so much cause it's just like, it's just simple. Um, but I believe this, you know, like I, I really do, but I, but I believe it in a similarly kind of, I think it might just be, it might just be like as simple as this, um, in the same way that this beautiful stranger like shattered, but shattered into these gorgeous blossoms, i think a lot of the time and of course there are exceptions we can see like we can see beauty in the kind of messiness of the people in our real lives in their brokenness um you know uh and furthermore you know this this beautiful enchanted dream that's just otherworldly and just you know, too beautiful to for words, and this stranger is too beautiful and too mysterious for words. In the same way that this kind of mysteriousness is so apparent in the dream, there is something so phenomenally mysterious about the fact that each and every person on our planet is a completely unique person with their own kind of secret mind and secret you know, wants and desires and fears. Um, I mean, it's just a precious truth. And I think it's something we take for granted. It's a terrifying truth. Um, but you know, the rest of the record will explore these ideas further. But, um, I like the idea that this is, this is kind of the epiphany of the record of everyone is broken and everyone is like a beautiful mystery. Um, some people are a a dangerous mystery, of course, like it goes without saying, I think, but I, I tend to be optimistic about people. And I, I think the vast majority of people have a lot of beautiful, a lot of beauty to offer in a lot of, um, you know, kind of goodness, like under, under this kind of breaking. Um, and then we hear this, uh, this section of, of ooze, Um, It is a new section. It's, you know, kind of slightly different chords, kind of similar to the chorus, like a little combination of, you know, some of what the chorus is. And I really just wanted, I wanted to not um, belabor this point too much in the song. Just kind of leave it be, just kind of leave that there, Um, you know, take it or leave it, notice it or not. There it is. Um, But to have the the main voice kind of continue to reflect on this idea, just non-verbally in those oohs. So the voice, the voice stays for another 12 measures. um, And then we hear that interlude again. So that's the song. And, you know, when I wrote it, I didn't, I normally, when I finish writing a song, I'll show it to Andrew when it's done. And this one, I waited like a couple of days cause it just felt f- like fragile kind of like, it felt like, like I was saying before, like almost like this little secret, like my little secret. And, um, I felt kind of protective about it. And I was worried that, um, you know, Andrew would, would criticize it even like so gently, even just kind of be like, Oh, interesting. I just like, I don't know. I felt, I felt, um, I felt like I needed to like, yeah, protect it a little bit. So several days later, I was like, hey, by the way, I wrote a new song. And I played it for him. And he loved it right away, which like Andrew can be a bit of a tough crowd sometimes. He doesn't always catch my vision. So that felt good. Um, But then I still felt nervous about it. And when I played it, so the next person I played it for was Ryan, who makes my videos and I feel like he got it right away. And then I was really nervous to show it to Jed, who's my producer, because Jed tends to um, prefer the mainstream a little bit more. And I like things that are weird. It's a big part of the reason why I like to work with Jed, because he kind of like keeps me anchored to the earth. Um, And I was very like apologetic, like when I was I was like, "Okay, this next one's kind of weird. It's like just a weird little thing. And Jed also just like seemed to kind of get it right away, which just felt like I mean I'm really grateful for that it 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 really was like um affirming so you know I recorded the scratch vocals and piano just like I always do and then um when Jed was getting ready to produce it and I was kind of writing I was writing some notes um I gave him a couple of references I um I gave him uh Joni Mitchell's I don't know where I stand as a reference because that song also feels like kind of a beautiful, weird little escape. If you haven't heard it, please go listen to it. It's just one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. Um, and then I also gave Jed as a reference, Milton Babbitt's Philomel, um, which like, feel free to go listen to that too. It's very odd. It's an operatic piece, but like opera, opera and like, uh, electronic, it's like a contemporary classical piece. Um, and I remember it was, it was in one of my like music history classes. It was like part of our kind of like required, like listening and study and, I just remember like really liking it. I would like listen to it a bunch like in my car. Um, and I really liked the kind of like weird like radio tuning sounds. So I told Jed, like, you know, I want to kind of have like the piano going on these interludes playing this little figure that I wrote. But then I told, I used the words, I said to Jed, I want, I want you to build me like a noise choir, like with samples, like weird string samples and like radio tuning samples. And just, I want it to feel like, just bizarre, but like kind of beautiful, but like, is it music? Is it noise? Um, just like very odd. And when Jed sent me the first draft, I just felt like I wanted to cry because it was just perfect. Exactly what I imagined. And I'll tell you one of my favorite moments in the whole song is right after chorus one, right after I want to see it when I wake up to that very first like downbeat that comes after that. It feels, exact, it feels to me almost like there was this kind of like tension on like a, a surface and then something just broke that tension and it's just rippling out. It feels so cool. It just feels like someone just went like ping, like right on, you know, I don't know, just set something in motion. It feels so beautiful. Um, And then I also want to say, so, you know, this, this song started out with just so piano and voice, like just the scratch piano and vocal. Then Jed built this beautiful, um, pillow for the song to sit on and built this noise, this noise choir with synthesizers. Um, and, we, we we didn't feel like it, the song needed any background vocals it felt wrong to kind of add background vocals um but we knew it needed something else so um we had uh this uh, wonderful local violinist Aaron Ashton come into the studio and we weren't sure what we wanted um but just watching Aaron in the studio just having these incredible ideas and just doing these like acrobatic things with the violin and just hearing sounds coming out of the violin that I had never heard. Um, just bringing the song to life and giving it that final kind of perfect, perfect sheen. Um, I just like, I couldn't be more pleased. And then, so we mastered, so this was, we recorded in April, um, 2021. So like just a little over a year ago. And then, um, in July we made the music videos. So Ryan who makes my, my the videos and Shauna who does my hair and makeup, um, we went into, um, we rented like a studio space for two days and, um, we filmed all 12 um, videos, but the sweet dream video is one of my favorites. I think there's one other that I like more that isn't out yet. So you'll have to wait and see it. Um, but I, gosh, I just, I'm so proud to be part of this. It's just ephemeral and just hazy and dreamy and just the perfect amount of like saturated and unsaturated. And we found this like, um, like a roller chair, like a spinning roller chair, just like in the studio. And, um, I'm doing lots of spinning in this (laughs) video and then, um, you know, just doing lots of kind of like, um, sort of like ethereal kinds of like motions with my arms and hands. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm normally, I normally don't feel like that expressive with my body. Like, um, you know, that's normally like not a comfort zone for me. So to feel encouraged by Ryan and Shauna to be, you know, to kind of explore those kinds of spaces and that kind of motion was really um, a gift. And it just, I don't know, it turned out so beautifully. And I'm just, I'm so, so proud of it. It's just like, it's the kind of thing that if someone else would have made it, I would have been thinking like, I wish I had made that. And I just, it's a really nice feeling to just feel like um, you know, something that you made is something that you're just really glad exists in the world. And more than anything, I just want people who, um, you know, have the same kind of aesthetic preferences as I do to find it. Cause I know that it's something that, you know, people, the right people will really be into. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I always post in my like little, Uh, Facebook fan group, um, before I record these to see if anybody has any questions and, um, my forever one, what I I like to call him my one, one true fan, um, (laughs) Sharon Davis, uh, who just like, I feel like we share a brain and he just like gets everything that I'm making. Um, he, he has some questions. So he asks, um, what does the line, learn to see it in the otherness of you mean to me. I, I already kind of talked about it, but you know, really this is just how I honestly feel about people. Like the, the simple fact that someone else's mind and heart is unknowable to me is just like, it's such a miracle. It's just like an overwhelming mystery. Um, like the otherness itself like not even just like i need to learn to see the beauty in someone else or you know see the the pain in someone else but just just simply the otherness like we can't count on people to be good we can't count on people to be trustworthy but we can count on people to be different and other and totally unique. And I just think that like in and of itself is like a starting point. And, you know, again, it doesn't mean that everyone is safe. Um, but you know, I don't know. I just feel like I feel so taken with that and just like, you know, beginning with that curiosity. I just feel like it it answers something. Um, so I know that's kind of like a non answer, Jared Jaren, but that's something. And then um, Jaren asked if it's backwards piano that he's hearing. And listen, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask Jed, um, probably though, cause he likes doing that kind of thing. And I know he had a lot of fun playing with synthesizers. Um, and then Jaren also asked if this song is inspired by a real dream and it's not exactly, but I do sort of like, you know, especially when I was a little kid, um, I've talked about this a lot in the past, but for anyone who hasn't heard it or is new, um, I had a, I grew up in a really uh, tense home. Um, my parents were really emotionally and mentally abusive to me and you know just being a sensitive child uh, like an artistic child kind of in a home where there was no room for that um, and where I just felt really lonely and really unsafe a lot of the time um I I really leaned hard into like my imagination as a child. Um, I think I would have been like, Uh, you know, a daydreamy child, no matter who my parents were or kind of what kind of house I grew up in. Um, But I think I just, I spent a lot of time living in that space in my mind. You know, it was kind of a self-soothe, like imagining like a a more beautiful place, Um, you know, like a, a wonderland, neverland kind of a place with just so many interesting plants and beautiful colors and like you know, probably definitely a lot of animals who are my friends who I can talk to and probably definitely fairies and mermaids. Um, you know, I would kind of put my mind in a place like that, you know, to fall asleep or, you know, on long car rides or just whatever it may be. Um, so, so in a sense, it's, it's a, it, I mean, I guess it's more of a daydream than a dream dream. Um, and certainly, you know, kind of, a. uh, like a secret safe place in in my own mind and just a place that's just more beautiful than anything you know I've seen on the actual earth and just safe and you know perfect temperature and beautiful smells and everything clean and just no bugs and just all friendly wonderful beautiful you know, and I actually, 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 I do have one other thing to say. This is such a little secret, but, um, for anyone who's my age, you might remember the show wishbone, um, you know, where the little dog, the little Jack Russell terrier, um, reenacts, uh, books. And I remember, um, watching the wishbone episode of HG Wells the time machine and the people who lived like up in the, the light, um, not the, not the Morlocks. I forget what the other group's name is. Um, but they were like pink. Like I remember them being pink. Now I'm, I'm just thinking about this right now. And I might have to like, I might be remembering it wrong. Cause I was probably like genuinely like seven or eight years old when I saw this episode. Um, but I remember them having like pink skin and otherwise being kind of like, uh, like Roman looking like Toga types of clothing and like, Cur- you know curly like ringlety hair um but maybe like the hair is also pink and this this beautiful stranger in my song like I'm fully picturing him like based like around that memory <laughs> like the characters from wishbone and you know shortly after that happened I bought an eight I I um my mom's parents would take us um for our birthday we got to go to the bookstore and and buy a couple of books that was like our kind of annual tradition and I that year for my birthday i got an hg wells anthology i was like a good tiny little kid like such a little kid and i still have it i think i did a big like book donation thing earlier this year so maybe i donated it but anyway um and i got really into sci-fi for a second there as like a you know 10 11 year old girl So that's it. That's sweet dream. I, do I want to say anything else? I think I told you guys everything. I know it's just like, it's a simple little, little weird, little beautiful thing, but I really like it. I'm really happy it exists. Um, and it's kind of, you know, foreshadowing for everything that's, that's to come in the record. So it's, it's halfway through there's five songs left and, you know, a lot of my, favorite stuff from the record is on, on the back half. So if you are lit, if you're tuning in for like the first time and hearing this, please go back and listen. And also if you join my mailing list, I have like a, a guided tour. Um, that's kind of like a a digital guided tour that you can sort of hop join. You can kind of go on the tour whenever you want. And, um, I, I drew like a, a fantasy map. Um, and I have some like little narrations to kind of, um, take you through the hallowed wide, um, you know, hold your hand and take you like step by step and show you, you know, all of the beautiful things that are in there. And then, um, feel free to dig back into the archive of the podcast and find the rest of the song diaries. Um, okay. So just final, like little housekeeping here. This is, um, this is kind of the end of artifice season five. Um, I will be back in July with a song diary for the next, um, chapter of the hallowed wide. And then, uh, artifice season six will be airing starting in August. I already have it completely recorded and it's just like, it's a killer season. Like the diversity of mediums and of backgrounds and of personalities is just like, it's perfection. It's like, it's, so good. Um, so yeah, if you, if you like these kinds of things, stay tuned. There's lots more coming. Um, some big announcements coming soon. And as always, thank you so much for listening. It means more than I can ever say. If you have thoughts about the music, please reach out to me. Um, you won't be bothering me. I'd love to hear from you so much. Um, okay. Happy rest of June. I'll be back in the middle of July. Love you.